0: Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with clinical nutritionist Lahana Vigliano as part of our Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Lahana along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 469. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. You can take your time back with the power of Text Expander. Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, they all take precious time away from us. But with Text Expander, we can take it back. And they've offered the productive woman listeners 20% off your purchase if you use my link, Textexpander.com/slash TPW, and enter the code TPW when you order. You don't need to waste time typing or cutting and pasting things you've already worded perfectly. You can simply create a snippet that you save in Text Expander and you'll never need to retype again. Your snippets are saved to the cloud, so they're available on all your devices Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Now, a snippet is an abbreviation, it's a, a few keystrokes that will automatically expand into the text you've assigned to it. I personally have dozens of snippets for frequently used text for my personal stuff, for productive woman stuff, for my legal practice, everything from short things like phone numbers, email addresses, my state bar numbers, things that are, you know, short, but I can't memorize them all. So I create snippets for them that will just automatically expand into whatever that information and I have others that are longer messages comprised of several formatted paragraphs with frequently shared information for clients, colleagues, and others. You can also create snippets that will automatically correct typos in words that you tend to misspell or mistype frequently. So with Text Expander, you can work faster and smarter. You can use the powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. Create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and TextExpander does the rest of the typing for you. And they've added a thing a couple years ago where you can share your snippets with a team and create efficiencies with your whole team, whether it's through work or a nonprofit, or your side hustle, whatever it might be, you can keep your whole team communicating efficiently and consistently by sharing your snippets of messaging, signatures, descriptions, anything like that with everyone who works on projects with you. You can visit textexpander.com slash TPW to learn more, and be sure to use my code TPW at checkout to get 20% off your purchase. All right, let's get into my conversation with Lahana. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners Lahana Vigliano. Lahana is the CEO and founder of NuVitru Wellness and a board certified clinical nutritionist with a passion for helping women realize that there is a root cause for their symptoms, even if they've been dismissed by healthcare professionals before. Her company, NuVitru Wellness, specializes in women's hormones and gut health and uses functional medicine lab testing to personalize the patient's journey. She is obsessed, that's her word, with creating <laughs> natural remedies, researching, reading romance books, lifting heavy and cooking meals for her family. Outside of work, she's a mother of 2 and a wife and her family is the inspiration behind Navitru and continues to encourage her through everything. I have been really looking forward to talking with her about hormones and productivity. So welcome, Lahana.
1: Thank you, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. I know this is going to be such a good conversation. Well, I've been
0: looking forward to it uh, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Uh, This is something that I find interesting but know nothing about. And so the things that you have some expertise in, uh, I think are going to be really interesting to hear about. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but maybe we could start by you telling us maybe a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, or whatever you think would be useful for us to know as we get into our conversation.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah, I love your podcast and what everything is about with productivity. So to like add on to like my, what I am doing now is obviously, yes, I own and run New Um I have two kids who are 13 and oh, like, I guess almost 10 in a couple, couple of months. And um, so two kids, wife, and also a doctorate student. So um, I think I'm doing everything possible. And then even Earlier this year, I also added on to me and my husband renovating a house. So Mm -hmm. I feel like my schedule has been to the brink of what it could possibly handle. Um, But so I am busy with school and being a mom, being a wife, and being a business owner. It's a lot. Um, We're in Austin, Texas, and we love it here. We've moved back in 2017 from Florida. And I would say that that's pretty much my little bio. You did a great job um, with everything else. But yeah, that's, that's really about me. And so that's why um, I love this podcast that you've created because being productive and, you know, obviously achieving the things that we want to achieve in every single aspect of life is obviously near and dear to my heart um, because I do it all, all day, every day. And I feel like I've, Done it honestly since I was 17 because I was a young mom. I had my son at 17, and um, I don't know what me and my husband were thinking, but we're <laughs> like, you know, if it happens, it happens. So, I think I've had to be this person that has multiple hats so young. So, for me now, it's just so natural. Um, and that's why people are like, How do you do it all? Like, I can't, like, I can't, like, a, a stay at home mom's like, I can't even imagine, like going to school and being a mom, let alone like work, school and a mom. And so I don't know, it's it's become my second nature, honestly.
0: Well, and we're going to dig into that a little bit about how, how you structure your life so that you can do those things. Before we get there, I'm curious about how you got into the work you're doing today with Nuvitru.
1: Yeah. Um, ever since I was five, I loved health. So initially, you know, I was like, I'm gonna be a doctor. And so I knew my career path in a sense, since I was young. And then it wasn't until I started having my, like my kids and I was in pre-med and honestly, you're, you're just kind of taught like, here's an issue. Here's a pill. So like a pill for every ill. Um, And I knew, I think it was even pharmacology. I I remember sitting there thinking like, this is so not what I want to do. And this is not what I believe health is. I don't believe that we get this diagnosis and there's a pill to save us. And that's, that's the end of it. Um, I felt like there was more to the story and obviously having kids gave me that like prevention mindset of like, how can we even like prevent these things from happening? And also like, I believe that there's just power in like food and our lifestyle. That's not even just prevention, but also like healing. So I just, I don't know, I just got into it because I just didn't agree with how we're being taught in the healthcare field. And there's a time and a place and there's emergency medicine. And I'm so thankful for that but with the way that we take care of chronic illness nowadays, it's just, to me, it's not okay. Again, time and a place, but we're doing such a disservice to so many people. And not only do I want to prevent that from getting there, but I also want to give people more hope of saying, hey, there's another way to this too.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great motivation. And so you, you kind of pivoted maybe or transitioned from pre-med to Mm -hmm. clinical nutrition and nutrition science and those sorts of things. And that's Mm -hmm. where your educational background is. And you mentioned you're currently studying for your doctorate in clinical nutrition. Yeah. So you obviously have kind of honed in on nutrition and diet and some of those sorts of things as a key for staying healthy which is important for being productive, which is why you're here to talk to me today.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. I know that like we can't do and achieve what we want to do when we're not feeling well. And I've even felt that this past week when we got this little virus. Um, I don't know what it is. And it, you know, it knocked me down. And the only thing I wanted to do was watch shows. And I, you know, I let myself, of course, um, just resting, but it just really reminded me of, I can't be productive. I can't get achieve what I want to achieve when I just don't feel well. So, it's always a nice reminder.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to dig into some of this and some some of your your knowledge base and some of the recommendations you can make for us uh, to be healthier so that we can kind of show up in the world the way we want to. But before we get there, I'd love to provide a little bit more context for how you are making a meaningfully productive life for yourself because you've talked about the things you're doing. You're running a business. You're caring for your family. You're now studying for your PhD. So I guess I want to start with, if there's such a thing for you with all that you've got going on as a typical day, what might that look
1: like? Yeah. Yeah, I know the, the beauty of entrepreneurship is that every day is different. But I would say that I there's definitely a little template that I go by. And so... Um, obviously I wake up and I get the kids usually it's school time so just getting them ready packing lunches getting them out the door Um, and then myself you know having breakfast and having matcha and just having some me time sometimes I'll add in a bible study sometimes I'll add a podcast when I'm doing all of it it just it just kind of depends I'm huge on just stacking and doing multiple things at once Um, but also just sitting in silence eating my breakfast is amazing too so it depends on like my stress levels and all of that of like how hardcore and habit stacking I do but and then I get myself ready and then I do a little bit of work um, and usually um, exercise is huge in my life and I tried to do that like four or five days a week um, and I'm full full-on strength training um, to build that muscle and age beautifully and so I do that usually mid-morning and then I'll get back to work and then I do schedule a lunch break which Um, I think a lot of our society has actually gotten out of and I believe it was for a reason even in school that we had a lunch break so I take that break for lunch and honestly I, I sometimes watch a show and watch lunch I just do something for me sometimes I'm reading like a fun book it's not and sometimes I am doing some work it depends on how busy it is but I do try to fit in little pockets in my day where it's just doing something that I enjoy and nourishing myself is definitely one of those things that we all need to do so lunch and then I'll work for the rest of the afternoon do kid pick up from school um, come home do a little bit more work cook dinner and then usually most of my schooling is in the evening Um, but if I have like just a not as busy workday with a lot of appointments. Sometimes I'll actually do homework after drop-off and just get some stuff done in the morning. But usually I try to save it like most of the time during the weekend. So I would say that's that's pretty typical. And I try to go to bed around like 10 or 10.30 every night. Um, and I always like, like to wind down with watching shows, which being a lawyer, like right now, my favorite is suits. I'm totally <laughs> binging that and it's amazing. That's my typical day you
0: have a lot going on, a lot of things you're trying to manage in terms of, you know, family, business, school, all those sorts of things. Do you, are there any particular tools that you use to kind of manage all that to make sure that you're getting the things done that are important to you in terms of a calendar, a to-do list? I mean, how do you manage all that?
1: Yes. um, I am obsessed with digital planners. Um, So I have my iPad and I have the app GoodNotes. And then you like go on Etsy and you can buy like these planners, whichever one. There's so many options that people mm-hmm. make. And so I have a digital planner and I tend to do that like right before bed. It's kind of a winding down because it's like a brain dump before bed. So it just helps get all these things out of my head onto paper of like appointments I need to do and the things I need to accomplish the next day. And then also I do like a little mood board. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's actually very relaxing to me, but uh, my digital planner definitely is my thing that I go by. I use Google calendar too. That's obviously how we book like appointments and things, but there's something really powerful about putting it on like quote unquote paper. <laughs> I know it's digital, but um, yeah, doing my iPad planner is helpful. And um, like I mentioned, I I love habit stacking and I've even done some time blocking. I do that more successfully when I'm not as stressed. Um, Sometimes it Mm. being so like every 30 minutes on the schedule can be stressful. So sometimes I don't do it, but I do find that like my most productive days, I'm usually time blocking. Um, But when I do that, you've got to be really honest with yourself of what you can get done and how long things are going to take. So that does help me keep in check my to-do list because if I'm off the rails, I'm like adding 20 things. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the day, I, I'm such a like checkoff person. So I everything I write down, I am getting done. So help so help me, God, I will get it done. So I love time blocking because it makes me just be realistic of like, no, I can't do 20 things. I can only do these five things because this takes an hour and this takes three hours, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I do love doing that. It's It helps me a lot in those days that I need to get stuff done.
0: Yeah, I think that's really such an important point. Uh, developing the, the skill of being realistic about, how long things take and how much time you have mm-hmm. and, and, you know, planning your your activities accordingly. I want to get into some of your expertise here. Your training, again, is in nutrition and and those sorts of things. And if I understand correctly, your business, uh, you actually have a team of nutritionists and dietitians that work with clients that come to your group. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not just you. It's There's a team of them. Um, I was looking at the website, and they all have kind of different areas of focus and interest. Your website says about you that you are passionate about gut health and hormones. And I wonder why are these important to you? Why are you passionate about those? And what what do they have to do with living a productive life?
1: Yeah, I have found when I started working with patients, things tended to fall into this these two areas, gut health and hormones, and, and everything in the body is connected, like everything, everything from brain health, anxiety, to gut health, like everything's interconnected. Um, So I find that like hormones are, you know, they're the communicators around our body. So they do everything from influencing our metabolism to our stress hormone, you know, saving, uh, keeping us safe from dangerous situations to reproductive, to even melatonin, which is a hormone that makes us sleepy. So like they work in every single facet of our life and how we feel. And then with gut health, I find this being such a foundational component to health. Um, Because if our gut is off, that can, you know, impact the way that we digest our food and absorb our nutrients, and we may not even be able to absorb our nutrients, therefore we're gonna have deficiencies. And then that leads like, it's just a domino effect. And so I find that when someone works on gut health, they're not only, they're not improving like just gut health, they're also improving hormones. They're improving our stress response because chronic gut issues are is actually very stressful on the body. And so these, just th- these things just like really fall into each other. And so like I mentioned in the beginning, like with productivity, we have to be like feeling our best, really truly be the most productive that we can. Um, and so I just find that when we target these two areas of the body, it just gosh magic just happens
0: well and and i read a lot i see a lot of references to this concept of gut health and i'm going to ask a really stupid question now because this is just again this is outside my frame of 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 education what do you mean by gut health what is what what is the gut
1: and how do you yeah how how does it become healthy <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, when I think when most people think gut, they think intestines, but technically our digestive system runs all the way from like our oral health all the way to our our colon. And so it goes from like the beginning of the body to the end of the body in a sense. So when we talk about gut health, a lot of the times we are talking about the microbiome. So we are, I always say like, we're just like a big walking bacteria because there's more bacteria (laughs) than there are cells. And so we're talking like bacteria, we're talking how we can digest food, like our digestive enzyme function. We're talking about our immune function. Most of our immune system actually lies within our gut, within the tissues. And so when we're talking about gut health, I, when I talk about gut health, I'm talking everything from how we digest food like in our stomach to absorbing the food within our intestines and then obviously detoxing it, right? Pooping is detoxification. And so even just having a bowel movement, we're detoxifying. So when I think gut health, I, I think I'm talking about all of
0: things which is it which is everything from from the mouth all the way through yes huh?
1: which is is what it is but that's why i'm like it impacts every single issue even there's connections with like having certain bacteria in your gut and the risk of autoimmune disease so it's, it's really cool hmm.
0: and so th- this may be too big a question to answer in a few moments but If the gut is unhealthy, Mm -hmm. what kind of symptoms is a person going to be experiencing? How do you know if your gut is unhealthy?
1: Yeah. So GI symptoms are going to be the obvious. So those might be like bloating, um, cramping, diarrhea, constipation, like not pooping every single day, which some people think it's so they didn't realize that you're supposed to be pooping every day, but I'm like, heck yes, you're supposed to be pooping every day. Um, So just like bowel habits along with how you feel, acid reflux. So those are like the direct feelings in our gut. Um, But there could also be other signs that our gut is poor um, with on our skin, like psoriasis and eczema, um, chronic headaches, anxiety, depression. Um, Those are some like not necessarily thought of symptoms. um, But it does impact like how um, our gut health is.
0: Yeah. So I I would imagine that with some of those more kind of indirect things, systemic kinds of things, there might be other causes. Mm -hmm. But if you're experiencing those, is it fair to say that gut health would be a place to look at?
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, and even some of those, like, especially like our skin, because our skin is just a reflection of inside. So someone having like eczema or acne, usually I've never seen someone do a stool test and their stool comes back great. Like their bacteria is beautiful and they digest food so great. I have always find something. Um, and usually when you start working on those things, those things will actually decrease, which is awesome. So I would say like even sometimes the indirectness, yeah, it can seem like they could be other things, but honest I, I feel like I can always tie things back to gut health because it is the first place we interact with our outside environment by our food and again our immune systems hosted there so if something with our immune systems off and allowing things to overgrow we, we always tie it back to gut health.
0: And so again it's it's maybe a, a an awfully broad question but if if it turns out that's the case what are maybe one or two of the first steps you take to improve that health if it turns out that that's an issue that's creating other symptoms in your life.
1: Yeah, I would say the top two things are going to be diet and stress. So Diet is very bioindividual. individual. So we personally, in our practice, we don't we don't follow a certain like Mediterranean diet or a Paleo diet or a Keto diet. Like we actually don't. I left that back in school because I do believe that everyone is very individual on what works for them. So that's why we have patients who can do dairy, patients who can't, patients who can do grains, patients who can't. Um. So it, the goal is to help figure out what works for you. So um. But just eating more real food is just the number one thing you can do. Obviously there's those little personalizations, but, I always say, can you grow it or can you kill it? And that's how you know you're eating real food. Yes, there are better, healthier options and more that are technically processed food like almond flour crackers, but ideally majority of your diet should be just real plants and high quality animal meats and things of that nature. So fixing diets, number one, and then with gut health, stress is so integrated. Um, There's a big nerve that runs down um, our digestive system called our vagus nerve. And this is the dominant nerve in the our parasympathetic response. So that's our rest and digest. So the opposite of fight or flight. And so a lot of the times stress and people with IBS and things totally can understand this because when they're stressed, they're feeling GI things. So like when I'm about to go on, on stage talking in front of people, I absolutely feel like I'm going to have diarrhea. <laughs> so that's like a direct connection there. Um, So stress also lowers our immune function. So the more stressed we are, the more likely our bacteria or our ability to fight off a parasite or pathogenic yeast that actually goes down so you're actually going to be at a higher risk of having chronic gut issues when we're stressed Um, so diet and stress are my my top two things that you need to work on when gut health is off
0: and we could you know we could do a whole you know lengthy series of episodes about dealing with stress and ways to manage that but so i guess we'll we'll come back to that another time Um, You also talk, uh, you know, and I see in blog posts and various things on your site, you talk about the importance of hormone balance. That's another phrase that I see out there in various literature articles and things. What does it mean when we're talking about hormonal balance? What does it mean and why does it matter?
1: So hormones are like the story, the three bears and like Goldilocks. It can't be too high, can't be too low. It's got to be just right. Um, And when I talk, when I say hormones, um, the ones that we mostly work on are going to be our sex hormones, like our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, um, thyroid, insulin. um, And I feel like I'm forgetting one, but those, those are our main cortisol. That's the one I was forgetting. So our stress hormone itself. So those are the main hormones we work on. But like I said, there's... Hundreds of hormones. There's like melatonin and leptin and ghrelin and those digestion hormones. But um, when we want them balanced, we want them to be efficient. We want to have enough. We want to have enough estrogen, right? So the women in their reproductive phase of life can grow the egg follicle and lead to ovulation. We need our stress hormone. You know, stress hormone kind of is talked down a lot because we are an overly stressed society, but it helps us, it saves us. It actually keeps us from dangerous situations. influences our immune response actually that peak of cortisol in the morning um, because again it's that balance of having it higher in the morning and then it goes down at night so it's like the sun hormone it rises in the morning and then goes down at night but having cortisol peak in the morning actually gets us up and going and feeling good and it actually protects us against things like cancer and autoimmune disease because it kills off cells that are going a little crazy our thyroid like influences our metabolism it can influence digestion and then of course insulin you know helps shuttle that like glucose in our blood into the cell to make literal energy atp so we want enough of them because if we have too much like insulin if we have insulin resistance we aren't able to utilize the glucose in our blood. Therefore, we're not going to have the fuel to make energy. But if we have too little, the same thing, that, those pathways are just not going to work. So when we talk hormone balance, it's, it's, it's just finding that like just right. And every hormone has like a different level of like being optimal. So there's nothing that's the same for every hormone. But we, we just need to make sure that they are just right, just for you so you can get the benefits without the the bad stuff that comes with a hormone imbalance.
0: Yeah, I think when you mentioned thyroid, uh, years and years ago, I was diagnosed as hypothyroid um, at a time when, and it was right around the time when I started my legal career. So mm-hmm. I was in my, you know, mid to late thirties because I started late. Yeah, and I had gone through a time where I I was you know stressed out from work and exhausted all the time. Uh, and feeling various things. And when the doctor, you know, I went in for my regular checkup and they diagnosed me as being hypothyroid, I I looked at them and I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, it can have this symptom, this symptom, you know, various things. And I, I, sitting there in the exam room, I said, well, thank goodness. I thought I was just getting old and I was just going to always feel like this you know, and so I've been in, you know, on Synthroid forever, but I didn't know that that was the issue for me, but it had such a profound impact on my, on my ability to function.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Cause you, don't feel good, you're gaining weight, um, you know, there's depression, there's constipation, there's um, anytime there's hypothyroid, so the sluggish thyroid, it it kind of like creates your whole body is sluggish in a sense because everything tends to slow down because the thyroid is the regulator of all of these aspects. And so um, with thyroid too, um, because that is actually growing. I am seeing left and right, like hypothyroid is Mm -hmm, growing at an all-time high. Um, And there's, uh, there's so many reasons it could be, right? which is why I'm a huge fan of working more in like the functional integrative field because i think this is a great example when your thyroid is sluggish and it's not working properly um yes most people need to be on thyroid hormone just to get them out of like the funk because sometimes you just feel so bad you need that little oomph and so that's where medication can be really helpful but then you also want to keep digging of like okay well why isn't my thyroid working and stress mm-hmm. is absolutely like thyroid and adrenals are like best friends so they feed mm-hmm. off of each other so if you are stressed it's actually going to impact the way that you can make thyroid hormone it can actually reduce the conversion of like regular thyroid hormone to free t3 which is like your free that's like your thyroid hormone that interacts with the cells so there's that connection there's environmental toxins there's nutrient deficiencies because every single hormone pathway is run by nutrients so it's like are you deficient in a nutrient and that's the kink in the system so you'll in our practice you'll always hear us say why why? Like basically every question, I'm like, well, why? Well, why is this Mm. happening until you get to the very, very like root of it? Um, But yeah, it absolutely, thyroid impacts so many women nowadays. And yeah, it's just unfortunate because even the testing isn't the best. You know, most doctors will just do TSH, which is really just your brain talking to your thyroid. um, When in reality, they need to make sure they're doing like a full thyroid panel. They're actually testing thyroid hormone, like free T4 or free T3, thyroid antibodies because the most common reason for hypothyroid is Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder. Mm. Um, So yeah, there's, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack, but I feel for you because hypothyroid is no fun. No fun.
0: Well, yeah. And I, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting to me how many people, specifically how many women, Mm-hmm. Are hypothyroid, and it's been a, a you know question that's been in the back of my mind for years. Because the more women I talk to that that have that same issue, I, I wonder why why are so many of us experiencing that. But you know, yeah, again, you you've kind of touched on some of the reasons that might be leading to it, and something worth worth looking into. And if someone is experiencing those symptoms or has been diagnosed as hypothyroid, digging into the reasons why makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So part of your training, again, is in nutrition. Uh, how does what we eat affect our hormones, whether it's you know thyroid or any one of the others that you've talked about? What does our diet have to do with that?
1: Yeah, um, I love this because um, in healthcare, I feel like healthcare is very interesting because we've kind of um, created this to be like MDs are like the end all be all um, with health. When in reality, um, at least for me, cause I'm getting my doctorate, but like we're all, We're all equal, but we all approach things differently, right? So we use like a food as medicine approach um, to hormones. And hormones are built from food and nutrients. So everything really goes back to nutrition. And so what we're eating plays a role in that. And so they are literally the fuel for building hormones. And then nutrients are needed to not only just produce the hormone, but also help utilize the hormone within the body. So certain foods that can cause issues with hormones are going to be, which I think most of us know this, but refined sugar, Um, you know, because that can cause some inflammation. It throws off our blood sugar balance and can even actually decrease a protein called sex hormone binding globulin. That is a protein that helps keep that Goldilocks effect. It helps you keep just the right amount in your blood. Um, but without enough of that protein, we can have way too much hormone in our blood. And obviously that can cause issues. Alcohol, it's a huge burden on the liver. That I think has increased just over time in our society of alcohol consumption, but it's disruptive of blood sugar. It actually increases our stress hormone and it actually can inhibit the gut to absorb nutrients and decreases our digestive enzyme. Um, and then there's like dairy and wheat. Those are pretty common problematic ones. I find that they're, those are problematic now because of how much they've been changed from how it used to be. So, dairy used to be, you know, straight from the cow, you know, all grass fed. They weren't fed this like industrial grains. They were just roaming the pasture. And so, I think with that change of how we honestly just make dairy almost like mute in a sense because we heat it up really, really high and it damages all the beneficial things that are in dairy. So I I think that's why we've seen a growing issue with dairy as well as wheat too. Like Studies show that no matter who you are, celiac, you're allergic, sensitive, you're someone that doesn't have any of those. Wheat actually still increases our intestinal permeability, which is like that leaky gut. That's a term that's used a lot. I mean, it's basically like the gate in between our intestinal lining is really open so it's allowing things to cross that intestinal barrier and become like in areas of the body it shouldn't be so we is also very problematic nowadays with just the how much we've genetically modified it and even if it's organic It's still just not the same wheat that it used to be (laughs) back in uh, biblical days when they used to break bread. So I think we've just changed our food so much and now we're reacting poorly to it and it's affecting our hormones. So the food that we should be eating to support our hormones, like I said, is a whole foods diet, Um, high quality protein, healthy, like carbs, like starchy veggies, like potatoes and legumes. Again, there are differences with each person but you know carbs were demonized as well for years i think they still are but you know actually carbs are needed to convert our thyroid hormone so actually going super low carb can throw up can throw off people's um, thyroid and stress hormone Um, We need our healthy fats, like our olive oil and avocado, coconut nuts and seeds, because hormones are derived from lipids, fats. So we need healthy fats to build our hormones. So it's all customized. But I always say, look at your plate. Can you like, can you grow it? Can you kill it? You should, that will guide you to, am I eating real food?
0: You mentioned that you don't advocate in your practice for any particular type of diet other than just this concept of, of eating whole foods. Where does a person go to know? I mean, obviously, they can call your team and set up an appointment and, and do a consultation and sign up for, as one of your, your clients. But aside from that, or as a starting point, where does a person go to learn what they ought to be eating, um, like a, a, a recommended daily, I don't know, menus or diet? to maximize their hormonal health and and all of those things?
1: Yeah, there there isn't one just because it is so different for each person. But I think looking at it in the sense of like your plate, like on your plate, do you just have a high quality source of protein um, usually found in animals? Do you have healthy carbs, like those starchy veggies? And do you have fat, healthy fats, which are most people do because they're cooking in like avocado oil or olive oil um, or they're eating like nuts and seeds so like looking at your plate that's how like that's going to be a hormone friendly plate is when you have carbs proteins and fats yes the amount of each thing totally different from each person you kind of don't know until you have someone that like assesses you and what you have going on. The other thing that people can do is just like start eliminating just the most common problematic foods like wheat and dairy or some other things. Uh, Grains I find are high risk of people not feeling well. That's gonna be like rice and quinoa and stuff as well as like soy and corn. Those are also common problematic foods. So just like avoiding those, but that's the very beginning. So the goal isn't to just avoid those foods forever because if by chance a food is reacting poorly with you we want to understand why that is again usually that goes back to gut health so that's why we do testing because we're done guessing like we just we want to take a stool sample and we want to see what's going on like we don't want to guess either so that's most of our patients is they've done this guesswork and tried to DIY it and they're like I'm so done like let's do some testing let's see what's going on And that will help us guide to like, okay, this is what you need to do. But starting off with just taking those out at least for three weeks can give you, you know, an idea of how that impacts you. And then ultimately, you know, slowly bringing certain things back in and just doing a trial and error. It takes a little bit. And again, not everyone needs to start off with taking dairy out. But if you are trying to DIY it, it's it's a good thing to do is just taking out the most problematic ones and just seeing how you feel.
0: And just see if you start to feel better over time. Yeah. And, and then what happens when you bring it back in. Obviously, if, if someone's, you know, not feeling well, is struggling with some of the kinds of symptoms that you've talked about, consulting uh, someone who's trained in these sorts of things to to help them sort of suss out what the issues are is probably the wisest approach. We've talked a little bit about stress and, and the impact that it can have uh, maybe, can you talk a little more about what impacts stress in our life? Because we are, most of us are overstressed in our careers or in, in life in general. Things happen, you know, we all as a society, as a world went through a pandemic that created a great deal of stress, emotional, physical, and, and relational and every other way. What impact does stress have on our health, specifically on our hormonal balance, And what can we do about it?
1: I would say like, that's definitely my, I think as an entrepreneur, like type A, like stress is definitely something I constantly have to like revisit because I can get, I will be less stressed and I'll put more on my plate and like, shoot, (laughs) I'm like, I I gotta, I gotta dial it back. So it's constantly a a juggle for me for sure. But um, stress is you know i think we know like oh stress is related to like heart attacks and cardiovascular issues but it truly impacts everything from what we mentioned like thyroid function it impacts that um it impacts our impacts our fertility if you're in your reproductive phase it makes causes us to delay ovulation and causes fertility issues um it also like affects our immune function, like I mentioned with like the GI earlier. But it when you're stressed and you're in that fight or flight, like it shifts blood away from digestion. So that's an issue. And truly we cannot heal in a fight or flight state. Like period. Like if you're trying to heal from something, stress has got to be like one of your top, top priorities um, because we just our body can't heal in fight or flight. So when I think of stress, I think of stress in both external So like, yes, your job, um, being in a traffic jam, being in a abusive relationship, those stressors that we just, we think of when we think of stress. But I also think of internal stressors. So these are things like blood sugar dysregulation, like your blood sugar is all over the place, not technically diabetic, but just your blood sugar is all over the place. That's an internal stressor. Having poor gut health, like I said, the studies actually show that that just having poor gut health can increase stress hormone, cortisol, chronically. So, if you're having poor gut issues, that's impacting your stress. So, I like to think of health like a bucket. And so, each thing, external and internal, where they're like depositing drops of water into the bucket. And then eventually, our bucket overflows. And that's when we become really symptomatic. So it's like, how can we just take these things that we have control over um, our relationships? You know, sometimes when we're talking stress with patients, we have to be like, this job is really impacting you. And these decisions aren't always easy. It's not always easy just to quit your job and find something else. But if that is the root cause of stress, we truly do need to assess that. And can you start doing something differently? Or how can we, you know, help change the perception of also like these stressors, right? So I mean, there's different ways, but I I think stress relief and, you know, what do you do about stress? I don't think it has to be hard. I honestly think it can be something as simple as, hey, what are you doing for fun? Are you doing things you enjoy? do you like scrapbooking or knitting or reading? Like, what do you enjoy? Because we're all work and no play nowadays, because we're just like kids and work and school sometimes for some of us. And I just think we just need a little bit more play in our lives.
0: (laughs) Great recommendation. I think, you know, a lot of us feel uh, (laughs) like if we're not working, then we're, you know, we're, we're dropping the ball. We should always be Being productive means we always need to be producing something. Yeah, I I have said for a long time that I don't think taking time to rest or to do things you enjoy, as you talked about, that restorative kind of stuff, that is not unproductive. That is an essential component of productivity because just like we cannot show up In the way we want to in the world, if we're physically not feeling well, if we are emotionally, psychologically, whatever, stressed to the point of just not being our best self, then we're not going to be able to be productive in the way we want to.
1: Yes, 100%. I think rest can be actually the most productive thing you can do because you do get this rejuvenation. And I know that when I'm working constantly all the time, um, school, kids, whatever, like working in many different assets, honestly, like I get burnout. And then I am literally the most unproductive person because I'm trying to push through it and nothing is done to the to the best that it could be and so actually resting helps me be productive and it, it is that's more of a like mindset that people have to like slowly start to like ch- you know change because that is embedded in us of like we're boss babes like we we got to get stuff done constantly and i'm like actually we're also human and we just need to like sit and smell the roses honestly
0: <laughs> well and our bodies and our minds need rest um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, my my job is very, you know, m- mind intensive, for lack of a better phrase. As as a lawyer, I'm always thinking and, and trying to solve problems and whether it's drafting documents or advising a client or whatever. And I just am brain dead, you know, by the end of a work day. And there is a limit to how long a person can be that focused, even if you're just sitting in a chair. Uh, f thinking that hard, being that focused on work is exhausting. And um, I, if I don't take breaks, I can't give my best to f- for my clients or for, you know, for anybody else. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, I want to touch just briefly on the, the idea of sleep because that's something else I've, I've seen some kind of discussions about on your website, I think in, in the blog there and so on. And I've read elsewhere. Is it true that insufficient sleep can
1: cause problems with our
0: hormones?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I sleep like, just like stress, sleep is so underrated for how it actually makes us feel. Um, it's so important for balancing hormones because one night of bad sleep, just one night can actually cause you to be more insulin resistant the next day, which insulin is a hormone. So now we're going to struggle with blood sugar the next day, just one night of bad sleep. Um, when we have a lack of sleep, we also have our hunger hormones, that leptin and ghrelin they are also going to be thrown off. So I know, and I've definitely felt it, when I don't get enough sleep, I'm hungrier the next day. And I'm also craving Mm -hmm. things that are not ideal. So Mm -hmm. that itself is going to throw off your diet. Also, there's studies that show lack of sleep is higher stress hormone. 100% and then if you have a higher stress hormone then you're going to have your sex hormones will be thrown off. And then, you know, just increased inflammation, we also get brain fog because sleep is that time for your brain to like dump and detox in a sense. Um so without proper sleep, you your brain isn't getting that type of cleanse. So we are going to be more brain foggy the next day. So, yes, sleep is needed for hormones, immune function, keeping a healthy weight, you name it. So, that's saying like that went around for sleep when you're dead. No, 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 you got to sleep now.
0: <laughs> well, and so knowing that to be the case, what do you say for those of us who have trouble getting enough sleep, whether it's because, uh, you know, we've got a young baby who's waking us up in the night or, um, you know, a woman of a certain age like me, as you get older, it's it seems like it gets harder and harder to get a- enough sleep. I have a harder time getting to sleep. I wake up in the night and, you know, I I use my calm sleep stories to get myself back to sleep. But but what else, knowing the impact the lack of sleep has on us, as you've described, what can you recommend for those of us who have trouble getting enough sleep?
1: Yeah. And you know, that phase of life when you have young kids, I, I feel that. And it is something that we obviously can't control because it's just that season of life. So our bodies were built, are, are just built for that. I don't, I don't even looking back, I'm like, I don't even know how I did it, honestly. But um, <laughs> that you just have to do the best that you can of like, and this is every sleep, but like, you know, trying to find that like wind down time that you stick to. So your body gets into that habit. Um, It could be things like, Wearing blue blockers when the sun starts to go down. So the blue light from technology isn't... That's actually impacting our melatonin. So it suppresses our melatonin, which is our sleepy hormone. So if you have to be, you know, on TV or on the computer or on your phone, just wearing blue blockers to help block that. I think with outside of like the baby stage, because that you just... You just try to feed yourself the best. You try to get sleep when you can and you really tune in and listen to your body. It's just a hard season. But outside of the baby season, all the way to like even menopause, we have to understand like why that could be. And so what I see is usually it's a stress hormone issue. So like cortisol, you know, it's supposed to be low at night. Um, If it peaks at night, that's going to keep you up you're going to feel that like wired and tired. So like, what are the stressors? What are the internal stressors? Are you eating enough? So like making a good protein meal, having a carb source with dinner, um, that can help make more melatonin. The other thing outside of stress is also blood sugar. So kind of going back to that same recommendation of like getting enough protein, eating enough throughout the day. When people wake up around that like two or three o'clock, that's some indication that it's blood sugar related. Not always, but it's some indication. So we have to understand what's going on with your blood sugar. So it's not even always something that you do at night. It's usually just like a lifestyle habit throughout Your days and your week, but eating enough is huge. 99% of women that come to us in every age category is under eating. And I think that is from just, I don't know, the diet aspect of the 80s. And then we caught it from our parents. And I don't know, we, we just don't even understand really how much we should be eating because we are like a car that needs gas. We need fuel. And if you don't have enough fuel, it's going to impact all of these other hormones that's going to impact your sleep. But I do love a good sleep routine, you know, chamomile tea, lavender tea, meditation before bed, um, brain dumping. Like if your brain is just like, especially entrepreneurship, like you always have stuff going on in your brain, but just brain dumping, writing what you need to do, just getting it out of your brain can also be so helpful. And also just getting outside again, not always at night, but like in the morning too, like realign that like internal clock, we call it our circadian rhythm. Get outside in the morning, tell your body it's morning, get out, go on a walk in the evening, tell your body it's evening. All of these like light things that come through our eyes is telling us like what time of the day it is. So if you find yourself being inside all day, that's a huge, that's going to impact your sleep. So trying to find the routine that works for you is key because for me, I'm a little bougie. I'm going to sauna at night, I'm going to read my book, I'm going to do red light therapy. My, I have a very bougie sleep routine. It does not have to be that. It can be something so simple of, I wind down at 9 p.m., I open a book, I drink some tea, I go to bed. And just getting into that consistency is going to help a ton with sleep. But again, if you are like waking up when you are supposed to be sleeping... Just know that like there's stress hormone, there's blood sugar, and there's also like sex hormone stuff, um, like lower progesterone, like when you hit menopause. And that may be something you have to get some bioidentical hormones for because unfortunately we cannot fight against Mother Nature and menopause will hit us all. And there's nothing we can do to increase that hormone except taking it because that's just obviously not our natural way which is silly but thank god for things like that now that we have you know those options if we need to do bioidentical hormones you can talk to your doctor about it
0: great advice thank you Uh, yeah it's a it's an issue for a lot of us so lots of things to think about um there's so much more we could talk about but i'm i'm you know, watching the time and realizing we don't probably want to do a three-hour podcast episode today. <laughs> uh, so we may need to reconvene another time if you're open to it and uh, talk yeah. about some, some of these things in more depth. I, I want to circle back to talking about um, s- s- some productivity-specific kinds of things you know, this this conversation you and I are having is part of our Productive Living series. On this podcast, when we talk about productivity, it's it's about more than just getting stuff done, which is important, but it's also about making a life that matters as each of us defines that for herself. And I, so I'd ask you, what does it mean to you to make a life that matters?
1: Mm-hmm if I had to summarize it in one word, I would say impact, um, in every, in every way, like impacting women through my business, helping them feel better, impacting my employees, like providing them a good life and salary and all that. And like my kids and just like impacting them that, you know, it's going to be passed down to my grandkids and my, my great, great grandkids. And, um, just, yeah, being that positive influence and just helping people's lives get better. That's what makes my life better.
0: <laughs> I agree. And so I also want to ask you a question that I ask every guest because I think we can all learn from each other in this area. You have a lot of things that you're doing. You've, you're running a business with a team of people. You're caring for a family with kids at a very active stage of their life. You You're still a student, all these other things that you're doing. Uh, and you have, you described a little bit of what your approach is to structuring your day to get those things done. But with all that out there, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or, or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track?
1: Yeah, we absolutely all have days like that. And so when that's my day, I I look at what absolutely needs to be done. Like, it, like things will start falling off the tracks if I don't get it done. And usually that's very few things, to be honest. Usually everything can be at least pushed back a day. So I just get what I need to get done. Like absolutely is mandatory. And then honestly, save the rest for another day and really go and self-care. Um, watch shows, read a movie, go on a walk. Just do things that help me get re, like realigned because if there is something that I'm stressed out about or overwhelmed, I am not going to be doing anything well. So I actually need to take a step back, do what I need to do, but take a step back and end my workday early and just do things that fill up my cup. A good approach. Uh,
0: where can people connect with you online if they want to learn more about the work you're doing or maybe if they have a question, what, where's the best place for them to find you?
1: Yeah, we're all across social media. Um, Instagram's definitely my favorite. Um, so at Nuvi True Wellness, N U V I T R U Wellness, and um, our website is www.nuvitruewellness.com, and you can find us there. And we would love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, and we will be sure to put links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode, in case someone's listening and you know maybe on the treadmill or driving and not able to write it down. It'll all be there in the show notes, so that you can get in touch. Uh, I know you have lots of resources available. I, I've, you know, sp- scrolled through some of your blog posts and stuff, uh, some some other things that you have going on there uh, that folks can check out to get more information and then maybe get in touch with you for some help. Yeah, that sounds good. Before we go, I, I think many of the women, maybe most of the women who listen to this podcast, are, are looking for some help and encouragement and getting things done and making a life that matters. And, and maybe there's a woman, maybe more than one woman, listening uh, and, and thinking exactly that, looking for some help, some encouragement, some inspiration to, to make a meaningfully productive life, thinking about the things, how the things that you and I have discussed today fit into that objective, Do you have any last words for that woman? Anything you'd
1: say to her? Yeah, I would say, you know, just take one thing at a time. I know changing like diet and life is really overwhelming um, in general, especially if you've been, you know, stuck in your ways for a long time. And just take one thing at a time. Start improving one thing. Start taking out one thing. Putting in one thing in your diet, you know, movement or your sleep habits. Like Just tackle one thing at a time um, because it does add up at the end of the day. It, it just adds up and you will feel great that you have done all of these things. By year five, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, my life is completely different. And that's just by adding one thing at a time.
0: Great advice. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Laura. I am so glad to have had the opportunity to talk with Lahana and for her fascinating and helpful insights on how we can be healthier and more productive. If you're interested in learning more about the work she's doing, definitely check out her website and her YouTube channel and pick up her free guide to optimal hormone health to learn how food is influencing your hormones, what foods to avoid, and tips that you can start doing today. We'll have links to all those things in the show notes, so you can definitely check them out there. I'd love to know, though, what you think. Did you enjoy the conversation that I had with Lahana? Do you have any questions for her, for me, or comments on the things that we talked about? You can share those in the comment section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 469 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I'd love to hear from you. Remember, for listeners of this podcast, Text Expander is offering twenty percent off your purchase of this outstanding productivity tool. It's really one I can't function without. Uh, it's one of the first apps I load onto any new device I have because it's so useful to me. Visit TextExpander.com/tpw to learn more and use my code TPW at checkout to get twenty percent off your purchase. And thank you so much to Expander for its longtime support of the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of the Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Lahana. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.